the regular board meeting for the month of April when we get the form. Everyone, please rise for the This is to be considered their junior or senior showcase. 
to that on May 18th, 2018 at 7 o'clock p.m. May 19th, 2018 at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. Tickets for general are $10. Students, seniors, and military are $7. And military students are two for seven. Okay, sorry. Middle school students are two for seven dollars. Recently, our Iowa students, alongside with some a few AP students, took a trip to Ireland. 46 students and chaperones traveled around Southern Ireland, Southern Ireland for nine days over spring break. Through this, um, this trip was extremely educational and rewarded experience for all members of IB senior Taylor Epic said it was a great educational experience and allowed me to learn an extensive amount about their daily life and culture. A chaperone, a science teacher, and Mrs. Chris Mabel says, spending the week in Ireland with my son and my students was an incredible experience. The group learned about Ireland's history, culture, education system, and many other fantastic aspects. I can't thank this enough enough for arranging and organizing this trip. Before the trip, students were responsible for creating a research question pertaining to their interests um, regarding Ireland. They are currently answering them and creating presentations to report them. <coughs> Recently, our band traveled to, this past weekend, our band traveled to New York, New York City for three days. Our choir performed in the cathedral on Friday. Our band performed in the on Saturday. And Saturday afternoon, the group saw SpongeBob SquarePants on Broadway, ate dinner at Planet Hollywood, and then later that night, they toured the top of the rock. They visited Ellis Island and the Liberty Island on Sunday, and then what I have to quote from one of the seniors that attended the trip. Um, she's also our secretary on the executive board. Alyssa Robinson said, one of the most educational, this was one of the most educational and exciting trips that she's ever been on. And that's all I have to say. Thank you very much. I need a motion to approve the agenda for this evening. Motion made and seconded. Discussion on the favor of the motion to say aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. motion to approve the regular meeting minutes of March 26th. Second Like uh, Mr. Hudson and Mr. Le uh, Dr. Lathio, if you could start coming up to the podium. I want to talk just a, a minute before we recognize students this evening. Uh, last month uh, at the Indian River site, we had numerous um, organizations uh, place, a lot of them first place. We had the same thing this evening. And I think that's a tribute to the school district. I think it's a tribute to parents and even more so to the hard work that our kids put in. When we had these statewide competitions, we competed against all the other schools in the state, charter schools, public high schools, and consistently, year after year, in our CTE programs, we have first place finishers who go on to nationals. This year, we've seen the addition of robotics, something fairly new that's kicked in, and we've got numerous teams also competing nationally. So when I begin this evening, when we recognize the students from Georgetown Middle and from Sussex Central High School, among other students that we had, congratulations. It's, uh, it's great to have a strong sports program to recognize folks, but when you have your academic programs, 
where you're getting the same type of recognition. I would like to say we're doing something right, and congratulations to everybody involved. Gentlemen. Sessica Chazar. And our final group tonight, as Mr. Steele alluded to, um, 
at Georgetown Middle, this was the first year of the Institute having a robotics program. And we were proud that one of our teams came in as state champions this year. They'll be traveling to Kentucky to compete in the world's competition. The members of that state championship team are John Abbott, For Sussex Central High School, we'll start with All County Choir, and this year we were uh, very proud and pleased um, to have the following uh, students named for the Sussex All County Choir for Sussex County. Uh, Janelle Ames, Garrett Hudson, Owen Butridge, Matthew Callio, Katie Kapner, Roy Truitt and Jacob Ward. This year, Sussex Central um, were all, was also proud to have a uh, FFA state degree uh, earner, and this was Victoria Diaz-Hanser with a state FFA degree.
And sticking with FFA, this year we had first place in the FFA State Convention and they will be competing uh, at the national level. Our parliamentary procedures team made up of Tessa McDonough, Jenna Anger, Jessica Lewis, Thomas Cruz, Dylan Kraft, and Savannah Sykes. first place at the State Convention for the Business Professionals of America for Business, Law, and Ethics is Kevin Green. In the athletics this year, Sussex Central had two individual state champions for wrestling. I know at least one of them is here. Um, they both may be. In the 132-pound weight class, state champion Rashad Stratton. And in the 106-pound weight class, state champion Mason Ankrum. Next, we wanted to publicly thank and recognize um, our attorney coaches for our mock trial team. I'll, I'll say very briefly that uh, no public school that wasn't school of choice, charter school or otherwise, had ever made it into the top 10. And for the last four consecutive years, excuse me, five years, we've made the top 10. And for the last three consecutive years, 
Sussex Central was honored to make it into the state finals coming, coming up in second place each of the last three years. And as I said, no other public school that's a, a comprehensive public school, not a school of choice, was ever honored. Uh, we wanted to recognize and publicly thank our three attorneys that helped us out. I don't know, I know that I was told they may have gotten caught up in the office, but our uh, mock trial coaches here, if, they, if none of the attorneys could be here to accept, I will ask Jordan Marble to accept on their behalf, but I would like to publicly thank our mock trial attorney coach, coaches, uh, R. Eric Hacker, Zachary Burrell, and Ashley Bickle. And thank you, Mr. Marble, for accepting on their behalf. myself out of order there so we're going to get back to sports I'm not sure if he's here but we did have one Henlopen conference wrestling champion in the 152 pound weight class Drew Morris I don't see Drew here so finally we will get to our academic all-conference um, award winners for the end of the third marking period so first with girls soccer we have Jenna Anger Morgan Gray Macy Ham Adriana Lopez for girls soccer, our academic all-conference award winners. Next, we have uh, from lacrosse, Mr. Will Kenny. For golf, Caleb Morales. Track and field. Uh, track and field had several. We had Madeline Bacon, Emma Evon, Abigail Gray, Courtney Peden, Savannah Sykes, Brandon Greenley, Michael Greenley, Vincent Mazala, James Truitt, Stephen Portillo Ochoa, Penn Maxwell, Asher Smith, or excuse me, yes, Penn Maxwell Smith, Asher Timmons, and that's from our track and field team. Softball, Taylor Evan. And, and for baseball, Ethan Watkinson. As a note, as these athletes, student athletes are making their way up to the podium, we are very proud Many of these students challenge themselves to some of our most rigorous coursework here at Sussex Central. And this is an unweighted GPA with straight A's across the board. And I believe every single spring sport had at least one recipient. Um, so we're very, very proud of this achievement.
We went to nationals last year and placed 25th in the nation, which is better than all the schools that paid the 30,000 for the seminary students there. It's an academic competition that begins in November and lasts until the end of February. You only get four shots. There is no tomorrow. If you lose a round on Saturday, you're out of the competition. Our students not only win every single round, but they do it with more class, more respect, more dignity than the private schools. Little old Sussex County, turning heads. People look forward to facing us in competition because they know we are a polished, respectful, polite, and clean team. Some of the uh, private schools aren't so clean and will do little things to try and get ahead, but thanks to our attorney coaches preparing them and the practice that we put in, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, three, four hours at a time, from November all the way to February, they're able to If you've ever seen Law and Order, that's what our kids do, but it would ruin Law and Order for you because our kids do it better. They perform for actual seated judges in the state of Delaware. They perform professional attorneys. This year on the championship round, we performed for an actual Supreme Court judge from the state of Delaware, former district attorney and chief of the public defender's office. I just wanted to let you know that our school represents the county and they do it with class. Thank you. Thank you. New business, school choice applications.
six deal with the students who are already here within our district as short students, and they would be transitioning from elementary, middle, and middle and high. Seven are employees children of our employees who have school choice application. Eight and nine are students who would be in district kids would be eights, priority eights, priority nines would be out of district. The eights and nines would be students who are seeking uh, school choice uh, for the first time. And uh, we looked at it and we gave you two goggles to take a look at. The overall change, uh, if using part is one through seven, we can't give you an exact number, but we can give you a parameter. Because most of these students have more than one school listed. Some are Sussex Tech, some are uh, SAS, there are some that are within our district. So depending on where these students have accepted uh, to go um, already or not, we would be looking, for example, if we look at column one, if we look at priorities one through seven, anywhere from two to six students increase in the River High School. Sussex Central will be anywhere from four to 14. As you look down the list of the middle schools, Georgetown uh, Middle Five to one, Millsburg Middle School may not increase any, could increase as many as seven. Southerville could be between five or six. East Millsboro, uh, all of our five elementaries at the bottom there would be uh, between zero and one in each Georgetown Town That's if we look at priorities one through seven. If we add priorities uh, 89, take a look at the total number of uh, uh, students. Indian River would be between five and nine. Central between 9 and 19. And if you take a look right down the list, the one that's, that's a little different as you go down that last column, uh, Georgetown Elementary could have a low of a minus 5. They could actually lose 5 students. And they could have a high of 3. Um, in the elementary levels other than East Millsburg, you don't really see significant numbers coming. Uh, we did take the opportunity to, and I did today, I asked my principal, I, I, I've done this before. Today I want to get an idea, and Mr. Lewis and I have talked about this um, almost every day. I say for the last three months, I would imagine that. All right. Yes. And one of the things that we've come up with, and, and we would like, we just need a decision. We have kids who are waiting in the queue, whether or not they're, they're going to accept it, whether they are or not. We just need to be able to make a decision. So there are three options I think is worth considering. Option one would be if we decide to stick by policy and not accept any of those cases. Option two, we could take priority one through seven. Option three, we could take priority one through nine. I thought about it and gone through it. I've looked at the kids at SDSA trying to get what I think is the best possible solution. Uh, I did have a parent contact me on Friday who reminded me of something that I did, I forgot to be quite honest with you. Uh, she reminded me that her students were two eighth graders who wanted to go to Indian River and it looked like they weren't going to get in. And she reminded me that, you know, you folks put on the TV a couple years ago wanting people to come to Indian River. And I asked Dave Wall to research this in 2013, 14, 2014, 15, we actually did the TV ads. Uh, the target audience was key kids in the district, but we highlighted programs. Dr. Hudson, Dr. Bunning, Mom, Del Marvin, and I went back and found the dates. Uh, 
2015-16, they went back on and they did talk about the increase in enrollment that we got. So we, we looked at that, I've forgotten that issue, to be quite honest with you. But coming down with a recommendation, my recommendation would be option two. That simply means we would keep the kids that we have. We wouldn't be increasing in, and we would get control over the number of kids coming into our district, particularly with nines, uh, because nine would be out of, kids, out, of, out of district kids coming in. Kids with no ties, they have no siblings. They would come to us for the first time. Give you an idea of what a priority nine could do. Um, if Mr. Barley came in as a priority nine as a kindergartner, we would be, uh, then at that point, since he has a tie with the district, we would be taking any sibling. If we want to decrease the number of kids with choice, I think the kids that are already in, I believe it's the, the right thing to do, in my opinion, to keep the kids in the district. I had unanimous principal vote today to do the same, and at this stage of the game, eights and nines, I would, I would uh, stop it this year at that number. We get a chance to go through, we can let the kids know who is and who's not accepting then we can come back and look at our policy, get our policy where it needs to be and decide what we want to do. So that's that's what I'm asking for tonight, is to look at those options and hopefully make a recommendation. Again, we should have let these kids know in February who were accepted and who's not. And we really need to do something at this point um, and, and move forward. There would have to be a recommendation. I do, I just, I have a question, um, my, uh, my question is why would we go with these, why would we change now a policy that we already have, what, what is the big deal going from a policy that we have, which is through data service and option one, and taking up, and changing and taking option two, we, we, Wait, and, and I only say that because I'm asking, because it would appear to me at that point in time that we are throwing capacity at the window. And I, 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 have, I struggle with that. It, it could be, but I will say answering the capacity, looking at the capacity numbers, you're, you're intent, with intense percent when you're at. It's not like adding 2%. And on most of all these cases, I think it's that maybe the high number is less central. Uh, if you took a look at the percentage of what you would be adding, they would be minimal. But, minimal. but capacity is capacity, whether sure. it's a, okay. That's absolutely true. So I have a question. Um, when I'm looking at the priorities, so eight would be an in-district student, nine would be an out-of-district student. I'm not sure why we're stopping at seven. And I, you know, I think I mentioned this last time so if we have an employee that perhaps lives in Seaford or Laurel or Delmar, that would be an out-of-district student that we would be accepting over a priority eight, which would be, for example, a student maybe that is at Sussex Central that wants to just make a choice within our district to go to Indian River. Why would we give an out-of-district student priority over an in-district student making a choice just to go to another school in our district. If it's a priority seven, the parent or student coming in would be an employee. 
things that are employee we would recognize. I think of the total kids that we have here this evening. Mr. Lewis Company, I think you said there were three. My point is we're still giving that out-of-district student priority over an in-district student from making a choice to go to a different school within within our, our district. I, I don't believe that's right. That's why I brought the, the third option in. in I don't want to include the nines. Nines are out-of-district students that have no ties to the district. I don't know why we're lumping eight and nine in. Why are we not making that distinction? We, we talked about it at the meeting that we had to review this and decided that this would be probably the best way to bring it. Now, we have, I think Ms. Peppers here this evening, um, she could come up, she may have that breakdown for us. So we may be able to give an exact number of what the gates were, what the nine were. That way we can break it down two ways. because those are out-of-district students that have no ties to us, but I am supportive of adding the eights into that option number two because I do believe our students should have a choice, especially if we know in this process that we are going to be accepting out-of-district students, like the example of the employee. I can't see not including eights. Thank you for considering that. I do have another question before we go further. Is this um, plan only for this upcoming school year? Is this modified at some time in the future? I, I'm still struggling a little bit with, we put a lot of effort and research into this new data service program, and I'm not sure why we're using it at this point if we're gonna go back to the old way of doing it. I can explain that. I can explain that. The data service center really has nothing to do with the policy. Okay. We have our policy, 
and we have data service center. We actually, Mr. Lewis has spent a lot of time working with the data service center this pepper, and what we do is we structure that based on our policy. The issue we had, and I said this last month, is the information that we received from the DOE, uh, particularly with priority once, was incorrect. We noticed that other schools in the, in the county that we deal with were taking kids that transition. Some of them weren't even putting them into dual school choice form in their life. Some make sure if they're in the system that they're doing okay, they keep them in. And we, we started questioning. As a matter of fact, I directed Mr. Lewis to contact a couple of schools to find out exactly what they do. And, and, and uh, one of our neighboring uh, districts to the east of us, sort of at the north, they, they actually called them priority ones. And we were told at one point that priority ones would return a student home. So in questioning uh, the supervisor at DOE was in charge with this, we actually brought that up to her that we have other districts doing this way, and we were told one thing, when on the flip side, other districts doing the same thing, and the definition of returning student, I told her flat out, I think I could challenge that and win that in court, and I'm not an attorney. And she, she agreed, at, at the end, she agreed, and you could interpret it out. So had we known these things, instead of one under the premise of what we've been told the first time, and, and sometimes the second, third conversation with these folks, we would be fine. Dr. Stavro, I think what happens with school choice, to be quite honest with you, I believe it's something that's a state initiative that nobody monitors. I really believe that uh, on, the, on the, the state level. I just don't think anybody monitors it. And I think Mr. Lewis can tell you some of the things that we found, some of the priority listings that we were told first three can't change. There are districts that have total different first three priorities than what we're on. So we just wanted to try to get even field, land play field, what we've got. And will we be back doing this again? I say no. We've got right now a disjoint between what we want to do this year and what that policy says. And our policy is based on information that wasn't totally correct when it was given to us. And we have a lot of people, I know Dr. Owens worked with Mr. Lewis. So that's the disconnect. I can assure you, Data Service Center is not an issue. Whatever we put into the parameters is how it's going to select these students. Five and sixes, for all intent purpose, purposes, should be a priority one. Or we have the ability with those kids, we have the ability as a board and a policy to automatically keep those kids, should we want to, when they transition from each of those three levels to the next. But this is, these are things that we need to treat in our policy. So if five and six was the issue, we're now adding in sevens and eights to buildings that we decided uh, we were not going to exceed the 90% capacity, correct? That's true. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, we're saying we changed this policy and in changing it, we're, we're not sticking by what we said in data services for 90%. We're going to exceed that and be over capacity. But, but keep in mind. No, I'm just, is, but am, am I correct on that one statement? And then I'll go farther on there. Yes, however, these kids are already part of the, the percentages that you have been seeing throughout. These kids, as they go through our system, for example, when the eighth graders come up, Mr. Dr. Layfield and Mr. Williams, they don't go sort out the school choice kids. Never had in the past. These kids have automatically come up because they're in our system 
and generally that's the next school that they attend. So we're not really increasing any of our capacity for five and sixes because they're already in those numbers. So for example, if we take a look at, let's say in your high school at 90%, it's not gonna change because in that 90% that Mr. Williams has it in the river, these kids are already there because they're gonna move up against their dads. It would decrease it, which means in some cases, we could end up falling below 90%, and then there's the opportunity for somebody else to get in ahead of them on waiting list. My, oh, final, comment, my final comment would be this. There, there's got to be, and it might be unbeknownst to some of us at this point in time in this meeting, but there's got to be a reason why we, have, we are deciding to change from option one, which is a policy that we have written, to change it to option two to add additional people. There's got to be a reason behind it that's not surfaced. They interpreted it their way. DOE has still never made a, a ruling, not that that will probably ever happen, as to whether or not what they did was correct. We had the same, the same issue when we were dealing with the Spanish immersion and the programs. Uh, 
uh, data service center informed us that they weren't sure why we were um, having kids, for example, to go to East Millsboro, do a school choice form, to go to a program that's already in that building. This is something we have been told, Lewis, I'm a correct, that data service center saying you don't have to do that. So we're kind of playing it judgment, but we just want to get it right. And we can't get it right until we make a decision which way we're going to go. Bottom line. Yes, seven, I'd have, to, I'd have to look at the seven. They could be, or they could be. They're already here. Sorry, okay. That's what bothers me about this. I know I've been trying to keep it close by. I'm talking about kids already here. We're talking about saying now, I'm sorry, they're keeping the state of the same. To me, that bothers me. You have a motion on the floor. I would, Mr. Brown. I'd recommend it looking one through eight. Changed the policy. We changed the number in night in 2016. We had 45 people that were accepted, and because there was a person whose child did not get in, they went back to it. We approved the 45, and then we added four additional so that one person's child could get in here. So that is not correct when we say we don't normally do it. Any any specific program that we've ever had that either creates a, a controversy on getting in or not getting in or not having enough students, we've always bent the rules on it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong.
But we have increased class size. We have, and in particular with that particular program, I will tell you that uh, there's a dropout rate associated, and once you go through kindergarten, you can't add somebody to Spanish immersion. To my knowledge, we've never done that. So they usually will take between five to start. You'll have a couple kids drop out year one. By the time you get to fifth grade, you don't have 25 students. So we can ask the principals here this evening. But just for attrition and, and changing due to the uh, level of difficulty, we don't normally have the same number of students finishing fifth grade that we had start getting. kids in the moment in flux and soup. It's just going to shuffle kids from one place to the other. 
uh, for example, and I think somebody mentioned this in a, a committee. Um, you know, you have five kids want to go to Indian River Sussex, you have four kids want to go from Sussex to Indian, or the vice versa. So at the end of the night, it's a wash, but if you put these restrictions, those kids don't get to move. But we are saying that students that are out of district can apply for the Spanish Immersion Program, and we accept those as a number two priority. Same would be Mr. Lewis. Yes. Uh, that's my question. That's why the only school is She will probably populate her Immersion Program with her students. <coughs> However, there will be students that apply who say they want to choice into a program and then choose not to pursue that path? I don't think we do, but I would suggest this. We had this discussion, and the discussion we had is we need to, well, we have people coming from programs, we probably need contractors to do And if they're going to stay in that program, part of that contractor fee, if they're going to stay in that program, fine, they can stay. But if they leave that program, then they would be we would revoke the school choice. That is already written in policy. And we enforce that? <laughs> that is not uh, my office. I would say, you can, for example, to the first program that received all the test grade level. I could tell you, uh, as far as the STEM program, what do you think about the Other than the fact, I can't say Dr. Bayfield has not that way. We have a student that is not in the form Which we should do.
full calendar this is not If she's coming up, are we saying Southern Dollar School of the Arts is going to stay the same? There's no feeder program per se that once they're in there at Southern Dollar School of the Arts, they automatically go. Do they automatically go into the next school system? So they have to apply. They will be accepted automatically, or they have to school. They have to make an application. Well, I don't think we've ever talked about no. SDSA being a feeder school, have we? No, it's not. So why does that automatically have a feeder? Right. It's not. It's not. So you're so again to make it clear, you're saying that when they get ready to go leave Southern Delaware School of the Arts. They have to school choice yes. where they want to go. Yes. Unless it's their own school. So if it's a if it's a student who is from Millsboro oh, yeah. and is choice all along eighth grade SDSA, they would automatically right. flow to Sussex Central. But if they wanted to go to Indian River, they would have to do an application. But they would not qualify. 
And to Mr. Fritz's point, I guess I would also say that those, when you say you have a very small number of students that are out of district, wouldn't we still get to the point, though, if we don't include nines tonight, that there could be a student that, because it's not a feeder school, if they want to go to Sussex Central or Indian River, they would not have that opportunity. So would we not kind of be back at the same starting point of that's a student that's been with us at SDSA from K through 8 and we want to retain them.
sure. It is. That's what we have.
So, Mr. Fritz, if I can just add to that, we had a conversation at the um, Finance Committee, and I believe I had asked that we add some language uh, speaking to his point so that we don't have groups that come in perhaps September, October, November, and the funds are depleted before folks from the spring would be able to submit. Did you add any language to the procedures for that? So I would, I would like to make that request again, um, as was discussed in the Finance Committee meeting, because I think it is critical to have that in there. There has to be some mechanism so that we don't have a large group of people submitting a request very early in the academic year, and then you know other folks don't have an opportunity to access that I don't know. I, you know, that was a discussion we had in the finance committee, and we were going to do some language to add to it. Correct me if. So, if that is the procedure, I think it should be reflected in the document. But I don't see those changes.
I want to say, I think that's a good idea. I think we're going to have to research that one cent, folks, because, you know, I know the other night in finance, Mr. Steele called up using some of that money for paying uniforms, and, and that was not looked upon a way to use that money. So i got to be honest, she may be as confused on this as I am on what we use it for and what we don't. I have a little different recollection of that, Mr. Fritz, but that was two years ago. I'm old enough to tell you this now. I don't remember things like I used to. So what my suggestion is, we research that one cent, and we find out what we have in minutes and notes, and we decide that finance is going to be exactly what we're going to use that for, and stay with it. Mr. Byerly, I will add that even once we know definitively what that penny is for, we still need to iron out the procedure, which is what um, I had asked Mrs. Steele at the last Finance Committee meeting to put together the, the procedure is different than what the penny is allocated for, so we still need to do that part. Correct? Okay.
or if we want, are we going to have another meeting to do that? Just a little bit of direction on where you want to go. With it. I have looked at um, four options, and we'll throw these out. Not to say these are something we got to select, just something to think about. I started putting these together. I like. I wanted to try to get it out this weekend. Uh, so you all could maybe have a worksheet to work on pros and cons of each one of these. Here's one option. Option one would be uh, equivalent to the example I used the other night. If we go back to the old CN two years ago, new elementary, new middle, renovate Sussex Central, add four to six classrooms at Sabbyville, four to eight classrooms at Indian River High School. Uh, that would, that would be, I think, our, an expensive way to go. Second option. This is one that I'll credit uh, Mrs. Neal. We, she and I were talking one day in the office. And this is an option that, that could, I say could, uh, prove to be maybe be a, a cheaper way to go. If we build, if we build one large high school on the current site in Sussex Center. We then could move Millsboro Middle to the old Sussex Central High School. We could filter down the southern part of the Georgetown kids and come there as well, about 200. And in this plan, keep in mind, you would have to look at school attendance areas and you would have to look at those lines. That would do a couple of things right away. First of all, we've got ample room for 800 to 1,000 kids, that's still having about 500 plus space. Give an example. 1,500 student high school equates to an 1,800 student middle school. So if you put 1,000 students at the Sussex Central site, the old Sussex Central site, I call it the old Sussex Central, this school, you would have ample room, and ample room to do something else for this building. Second thing is you could renovate Millsboro Middle, and I think I talked about this before, we thought at one time there was going to be a, a, a large amount of money uh, to renovate the middle school, uh, the high school to the middle school. In fact, there, there isn't. There are no standards that differentiate middle to high. But elementary to middle would. We could put about 900 elementary students in Millsboro Middle, capacity-wise. Uh, what we would have to do to that school would be to take a look at the bathroom, the uh, sinks, the toilets, the urinals, the water fountains, they would all have to be lowered to the standard for elementary. That will enable us to take students from East, Long Neck area, and Southern Port of Georgetown and put about 750 kids in that building. That alone, by building one large high school of that site, would enable us to take care of middle and elementary with renovating, and I'm saying right now, this is still loose until architects look at it, renovating those facilities that we would be, under guidelines, state guidelines, we would need to renovate in the Millsboro School to make that work. We'd also have to keep in mind, we would have to take a look at our areas, and on those particular areas, redesign lines on what we're gonna bring. Now, your filter part of it is, when you filter some of the Georgetown Elementary kids down, the Southern uh, Georgetown Elementary kids, you open up space uh, there, uh, at Georgetown Elementary, you've also opened up additional space because you've got about 200 middle school kids going out. So now we can take some of North Georgetown kids and move over to that uh, Georgetown complex. And we've really alleviated our northern crowded problems. 
In addition, we would need to look at space at Sullivanville and space at Indy River. Um, and I, I had a conversation today when, when I was talking to Mr. Brown about the uh, uh, agenda items. I, I just, Sullivanville is going to be a question mark. I, I know Joe went out and looked at it. We were looking at maybe four classrooms. And I would have to have the architects look at that and see if that's feasible, that we could put four classrooms there. Uh, Indian River, when we built that years ago, on the Structural areas, the front part that's parallel to the road, you, you have ample room to add classrooms on. You can probably add 12 to 16 classrooms if you need in the future without having to you know, go to land. This would also give us the opportunity to not have to purchase land to do this. The one question I get asked the architects we would not have room for like a new football stadium or anything like that at school. We would have to take our existing stadium. We, we could renovate it somewhat, add in more stands if we needed to, but that stadium would be shared. Practice fields would be what we would, would be flexible on, adding like a soccer and baseball practice fields. But we would have to share those athletic facilities and maybe be able to renovate that. That's a possible option. Another option would be, we talked about this, somebody brought this up at the uh, one of the first discussions we had, we could build a new 1,200-student high school endorsement. That would split your students probably a thousand at the central site, just this site, and, a, and about a thousand to that site initially. But it would give you a little bit of room both places to expand a lot here, a lot there. It actually give you capacity of about 2,500 students for high school. That um, is good. However, it doesn't help your elementary and your middle. So you still be looking at this option and looking at possibly building um, one of these or maybe turning the middle school into some use of, of here. Um, but that would almost give you three middle schools if you did that, because you wouldn't have room to put an entire middle school. Fourth option, um, I think Dr. Stanley, you said something about this one time. We looked at, at ninth grade academies. Um, and we could look at possibly a 500 students here. Uh, you wouldn't need that much at Indian River. If you wanted ninth grade academy, you'd probably want to look at 300. Again, you're still facing building a new elementary and a new building. But one thing I will tell you, whatever option we choose, we have to start with the high school option. Because there's a domino effect involved. And in that domino effect, if we take care of, of something, we may be able to utilize something that we already have so that we don't have an additional cost. Folks, those are four uh, that, that I came up with, you know, looking last week and, and talking to my folks. Um, I would venture to say there probably are people that have other ideas, you know, that we could look at. Uh, but that's just to get things started. Those are some options that, that I thought would, would be viable options. It addresses something Mr. Pete. Mr. Pete had an interesting comments last week. And I've thought about the long and hard since last week of, of how we can figure that out. And I keep going back, my only concern, I think it's what you said, if we went with the one high school, I think we, we're gonna have a situation here that's gonna be very difficult. Very, very difficult. In about set six, seven years, we get around 2,000 students. That's my thinking when we said before we jump in and start building multiple buildings. I try to think, is that a good way to go? And I think this would fit. I'm not sure it's a good idea to go build multiple buildings right now. I, I think I would venture to say 
we're already 130 students over capacity here. That is not going to get any better. That's going to get worse. And if you remember, numbers that I used were simply using the numbers that we currently have in our system for our secondary school. So that's, that's where we are. Um, I would have to go, and I would assume we would look at Vernon and Daniel to help us with, with development of the CNs, and we'd have to cost out whatever we do. That's one of the reasons I'm kind of anxious to get kick-started, because sometimes they have other projects that takes them a little bit of time uh, to get in to do some of the assessments, and they, they are really good at that, and they can help us out on, on saying this is a good way to go, not a good way to go. I was worried about the middle school in Billsboro renovating that the bathroom, but I think if we sell that on the CN, more thought about it, because we're doing that renovation to increase space for middle schools in the north. So I think if we sell that program, that CN in particular, uh, one part of that CN, say that's what we're doing it for, I think the state would look at that as a positive, more so than not.
very interested in how we can work that out. If you share the athletic fields, possibly putting lights in to allow more use of the And keep in mind, whatever we do, we have to turn CNS into the state. And they'll come down and take a look like they did two years ago. And, and depending on what they do, um, I can't remember who I was talking to today. It may have been Mr. Steele, where do you think they would consider that too many students in this area? But I said they approved the renovation, which would have made this over 2,000. Right. They approved the middle school and they approved Howard TNS. So you're right around the same number of kids. We would need an SCN to put some, an extraordinary cost in, uh, which generally you go up to a million dollars on, on a building site. Because if we need to get into traffic signals or anything like that, which to be honest, I'm not sure we would need one on the highway, then this helps support some costs. And we would, we would have to build something like that in. Um, even if we had to go out, if we looked at a new elementary, for example, if we had to go out and take a look at, for example, Ingram's Pond. My concern with Ingram's Pond with the roads, and I think it's a beautiful site to go to school. I just don't know how Delgado would handle the road work would need to be done if that would have to be part of the uh, CN or not. The other thing that concerns me, and hopefully we'll have an answer, I hope, you know, at least by June 30th, there are a couple bills pending. Right now, legislation, we have our legislative records tomorrow. I'll be reviewing these. And we have one of the school safety bills uh, that they have in is actually targeting to have a, um, what I refer to as a silent board an area where people walk into the buildings and they can't get into the school, but they're sort of in that area. And they talk to the secretary through a, a bulletproof window, a bulletproof glass, two-way locking doors. This could end up being a legislative issue. And one of the concerns that the superintendents have is how's that call, how's it going to be paid for? Because these are pretty high dollar safety items in some cases. And is that going to be part of the 60-40 split or are they going to adjust the formula, um, state formula, to give us a little bit more money uh, for that? Um, so, you know, we have a lot kind of in the mix here, but we have until the uh, 31st of August get our CNs in. Even though we go in with something, it may not get approved. It's right. like we had last time. So if we're looking for expanding capacity, I think we run a good chance. I think we've got the statistics you saw last week that we can we can honor that and say we have what we have coming. Uh, if we want to build things just to renovate to renovate, they're not taking renovations at this point in time.
I've come up with four. I'm trying to get ideas, you know, from the board. I listen to the community ideas the other night. Um, just a lot of competing and, and trying to look at uh, what the best avenue to go is. And uh, my only concern is right now I'm the only one who has experience doing CNs, and that's something that I, I I'll be honest with you. I've talked to Dr. Owens. I've talked to my other directors. And I told them we're going to learn how to write CNs quickly if we need to, because if we go much into the end of May, we're going to have to jockey to get those things done the way they need to be done. So, you know, we might be able to go another couple weeks, but we're really going to need a decision soon. And if anybody has any other ideas, if you pass that along to us, uh, it's interesting. One, one thing I will say about the academies, I did check the academies. If we put an academy here, for example, in Indian River, that doesn't mean, or that doesn't take care of your, your common areas like your cafeteria. You'd still have to renovate those or put the cafeteria in the academy, which case you would you would have pretty much well build a 500 student high school, which they have the figures in the, the construction to do. So it's almost like building a mini high school, I think, in both cases. So I'm not sure that's, I'm not sure that's a CN that they would look at favorably. I don't know for sure, um, but I do think they would look at the cheapest way we could possibly do this as, as an option. We have about a two-week on here between the meeting. We'll have time to bring some figures for you. And we should be able to not get exact but ballpark about what we're looking at. We'll have to narrow that down more when we bring um, architects in to you know, kind of balance it and give us an idea of the cost of the additions. I think when we're looking at additional cost, we're probably going to be pretty close to where we were with, uh, with, with eight classrooms on an elementary. Probably you know, we'll be able to estimate pretty quick what the root addition it's a pretty straight calculation for the uh, for a high school or anything you want to add, whether it be a 1,200 or whether it be whether it be 2,000 or 2,200. We can come up with some cost estimates for those. Yeah, I think when I talked to Ken Burns, they they pulled the plan from last the last time we did the. CN, they looked at it, and they thought they could easily put it on and get practice fields. They could not fit another stadium. You have to still use the main stadium. Yeah, that stadium is fine. I just love 
And this would be one of the things that he could look at and tell us right away exactly what we want. I know baseball, softball, practice field is going to have to be, you're going to have to have one of those, each one of those. Yeah, it, it, I tell you what I have done. I have contacted Delta. Uh, I talked to Bobby Barron's, uh, the vice president. She is uh, going to talk to the president, and they're going to set a meeting up. I have not gotten word back yet from her when that meeting is going to be set. I do know they have not earmarked uh, Howard Pian's, the old Howard Pian's building or anything as we speak uh, that I'm aware of and or that uh, Mrs. Barron's is aware of. So we don't know if that building is being used. We could always use that building if you not to renovate it and use it as is. Um, I know there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the building. It's, it's an option we could look at, but really, until I get word from Dell Tech, I really don't know where to go with that. Again, if we have that, we're going to have to show that we're using that to resolve capacity issues. We're going to have to show that. I don't think the kindergartners would fit there. I think the building capacity is not large enough. You would have to look at your preschool kids and go that down. It's something we can look at, might be able to utilize it, and might be able to find into a program with Delta. So we can we can look at it really on a, until we get the opportunity to talk, you know, to them and see if they're willing to let us use it. Um, there's not much else we can do at this point. Is that the first, is that the second Wednesday? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's fine. You can do whatever. You can do it on the second. I don't have to be here. I mean the third, the eighth. I don't have to be here. No, I see. The eighth is school board elections. Second meeting I've missed in a month or two months in a row. I can't. I'm going to be here.
to update you. This morning, <laughs> I uh, talked to Mr. Booth uh, this morning, and uh, Ernest and Daniel's working on getting the survey complete. They thought it would be within two weeks. They called back later. They're getting surveyed tomorrow. Once that land is surveyed, uh, the DHSS then will, will work with the application complete to the county. And once we get the county approval, then we can proceed with uh, upload language uh, in June and transfer the land to the If, by some chance, the county, which is sometimes slow, doesn't get that by legislative However, uh, according to what Joe was told today, I think we came to the consortium, they did not have that land, but they started the pro planning process until everything went through the system and they got back. Uh, as long as both sides are agreeable, I don't think the county is going to have any issue. We just need a parcel number for the section that we're going to take. So that's, that's really good news for us. Only a couple of
couple of updates. Um, uh, first of all, about our focus schools. We do have a great deal of work that's about to wrap up um, in those five schools. Um, a couple to mention, data-driven recommendations will be made to principals for the master schedules as it relates to special education teachers having uh, the necessary supports in place. The second piece, individual uh, professional development sessions are currently being implemented, so we hope that those will be completed in the near future. And also, uh, case manager interviews to gather feedback will occur in the month of May. So we hope that a report will be provided to the board um, sometime in June. Secondly, our special education page of our website is going to be updated and modified so that it will be more user-friendly to our parents and families with resources, topics as it relates to special education. So we're very excited about that piece. And finally, we have an announcement to make that the district, along with the task force, will be partnering with the Georgetown Police Department this fall at our Ennis School to deliver a pilot program. We are working in partnership to develop a series of presentations that are specifically designed to meet the needs of our Ennis students that focus on school safety, online safety, and transitional life safety skills. So we hope to be able to expand this to a few of the peer classes in our high schools as well. Um, and as a result, I want to personally thank Chief Hughes with the Georgetown Police Department, uh, Officer Melvin, who was instrumental in our conversations in this development, uh, and Dr. Owens. So we look forward to reporting out our progress on that initiative. Thank you. Uh, I realize that uh, you know, a lot of teachers are not happy with 
state of emergency days. Um, I know a lot of people want to contact the school board, the state school board, and the you know, DOE. So trying to make sure they don't get to you, trying to get their addresses out so that they can post their opinions on them. Um, next, we were hoping to that we would uh, be able to get with the students last day. activities are posted uh, for you guys to take a look at um, and moving on to the second part we do have some district calendar changes uh, as Mr. Emanuel said uh, we have received information from the state board late last Thursday they are forgiven one day only state of emergency uh, I will tell you the superintendents aren't happy with that because very plainly we had two distinct days I think Newcastle County had three or maybe four and we thought that the best balance would be to ask for two. And we were, we were rather shocked when Dr. Funny wrote back and, and said she was going to ask for one day forgiveness. Um, I did talk to Mr. Kavanaugh about that today. He is the um, president of our chief association. And I think we're going to go ahead and, you know, what we really don't have an avenue to go back to unless we go back to the state board. That would change. We would now have the last day of school being June the 7th for students, June the 11th for staff. It was actually, if we had two days, it worked out great. We ended the staff on Friday and everything was clean. But now this puts us in a position to bring the staff back on Monday. The other two changes we have, uh, Sussex Central Board Assembly from May 18th to May 21st, and the senior dance schedules 21st, 22nd to the 22nd, 23rd. We did this primarily due to last Monday's half cancellation due to the situation we had here in uh, Sussex Central with uh, the fire and the smoke. So I would recommend that we make these approve these four calendar changes. Mm -hmm. Is there a second? Second. Motion made in second. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye.
State has a Foreman Steel as a podium. Um, that is a much larger number than what we anticipated. And I know we have really worshiped the board and different office and our schools try to maximize as much of that money as we could. Parkins 12, that's, that's our Parkins. So we're, we're, we're there, we're getting there. And I would say that what she's offered us in and what we've gone through has put us in a position where it's like we'll say good job. Uh, we have a used facility form from the Econ uh, Cross Academy using Indian River High School track uh, April, May, and uh, three weekends in May, and we don't have any issue with that. So I would recommend it. Yes. Yes. So moved. Aye. 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 Aye.